Welcome to this special edition of Henrico Happenings. I'm Kristen Smith. As you know, the podcast is usually something that previews events going on throughout our community each month. Obviously, right now, in light of the coronavirus, the COVID-19 pandemic, uh, there aren't any events going on, but this virus is impacting each and every one of us. So Henrico Fire Chief Alec Auten is here to uh, talk about how this is impacting public safety and in turn also impacting residents of Henrico. Hi, Alec. How are you? I'm good. Good. Um, let's begin by talking about 911, calling 911. Some basic information. Sure, if I could, I, I want to just let you know that, that this conversation and a lot of the things that we've sent out here recently are are indirect response to questions that we're receiving from the community. You know, the community is uh, fantastic and supports their first responders, their police, their fire department, their volunteer rescue squads, uh, their sheriffs, the, even the social workers and library staff that are continuing to work. And so each of the agency heads in the county are getting questions about How's everything going and, and do you need anything? And, and the, uh, the outpouring of support from the community has been, um, I don't even know how to describe it. I mean, it's overwhelming and it, it speaks to Henrico County as a community, not just a place to live, but as a community. And so um, I, I don't want to, to be silent. I want to make sure that I answer the questions that are coming from the community. And then I share operationally some of the changes that we're asking the community to help us with as, as your, uh, your, fire, your primary fire and EMS agency in Henrico County. Okay, so it's, it's good to hear you're getting that support. Um, some basic information, though, about, about calling 911. I know that you advocate don't call 911 unless it's a real emergency all year round. Sure. The, the, you know, the system, 911 system, was designed uh, for a community to be able to have responders come to them when they had a life-threatening emergency. And that can be a, you know, a fire in your home. Uh, it can be uh, a heart attack. It can be a stroke. It can be a, a traffic accident with injuries and things like that. And so the, the system was designed um, to, around that principle, around that, that idea, that concept. And sometimes the lines will get a little blurred. You know, there, there are other needs that maybe aren't related to life-threatening emergencies, but people just don't know who else to call. And most of the time, we're able to respond to that with a, a maybe a different resource. But right now, uh, not just today, but looking forward over the next couple of weeks and looking out to the, the communities that, have, that are ahead of us, if you will, in this pandemic or in the epidemiological curve, Uh, we expect that our volume is going to increase and that we're going to have a decrease in available resources just because our our firefighters and EMTs from the fire department and from the volunteer rescue squads, Tuckahoe, Lakeside, and Henrico, are exposed pretty routinely to this to potential carriers of, of COVID-19. And therefore, we expect that we're going to start to see some workforce reduction just in the in the form of illness and people who, who are exposed to it, even though they're taking the proper protective measures. So it becomes that much more important that in this environment, we're reinforcing that message that the emergency communication center is receiving a lot of calls related to this, and that the fire department and the volunteer rescue squads are responding to a lot of calls related to this. It, it just, it's worth reemphasizing that we really need the community's help right now. Uh, the other issue is that that sometimes on a low, on the lower acuity end of, of uh, the medical um, uh, need, um, that sometimes you might be better sort of protecting in place as opposed to getting in the back of an ambulance and responding 
to uh, or having us transport you to the emergency department because mm-hmm. right now the emergency departments are overwhelmed. You know, we're not trying to discourage people from calling 911 if they have an emergency. We just want to make sure that you understand the the way the system's designed and then the pressures that are on that system right now. In light of everything that's going on, um, if someone does have an emergency and they call 911, I know things have changed on the end of the communications officer and maybe some of the questions they're going to ask and some of the information they want to get first before they send someone to help. Sure. So we already have a, an emergency medical dispatch system. This is engineered to try and triage or sort through the calls to determine which are high priority and which are lower priority. And then it stratifies those um, so that we can better or more appropriately respond to those. With the emergence of this this virus, we've added some questions to that. And so Sometimes if you're calling 911 and the communications officer is trying to determine what's going on and and how critical the need is, as they move through those questions, it can get frustrating for the caller. But we're really just trying to find out what to send you, how quickly to send it, uh, and make sure that we send you everything you need, right, and and the the speed at which you need it. With the additional COVID-19 questions that, that may ask about travel or or contact, or those kinds of things. It could be even more of a, a perceived burden for the caller. But, you know, we're just asking for you to understand the situation. This is an unprecedented event in the world, you know, uh, in the nation and certainly in the Commonwealth and here in Henrico County. And so we just we just want to ask. We want to ask for your patience while we move through those questions and understand that, that we're not trying to, you know, slow things down. We're really trying to get to the heart of the problem and make sure that we we protect you. We take care of your health or, or medical or, or uh, you know, needs for, for a fire truck or for an ambulance, but that we also send the right thing and, and uh, send as measured a response as we can. So are some of those questions also designed to protect the first responders that are going to take care of that person? Sure. I'm sure that you've seen on the news that there are um, personal protective equipment or PPE mm-hmm. uh, for short that there are some supply chain, you know, challenges related to that. And one would expect that that would happen in an environment like this. And I think so the unprecedented pandemic environment, everybody's requesting those same resources. And from from first responders to uh, to individuals to, uh, you know, particularly the, the hospital staff that are having to work, uh, you know, confirmed cases and, and those kinds of things. And so where we can we can take a more measured approach and we can sort of tier our response and limit our exposure to our personnel, which helps keep the workforce intact and also limit the usage of what's a, a precious commodity right now, which is our personal protective equipment. We want to we make those adjustments. So what that could look like, if I may, um, for somebody who calls 911 is that normally we respond to EMS calls or a higher acuity EMS call with an engine, a fire engine and a a fire department or volunteer rescue squad ambulance. Under normal circumstances, we would all come in and we'd all be carrying a lot of equipment and we'd bring that in and we would all start attending to you at one time. What we're doing in this environment is we're sort of staggering that entry, right? So we'll have one person that's dressed out in their complete PPE ensemble, which we can talk about a little bit later, just Mm -hmm. so it's it's not scary. One person who's dressed out in that and they'll come in and do a preliminary assessment. And if there's any life-saving interventions that, that you know, that, that caller needs, we can take care of that right there. I mean, CPR being one of the biggest ones, we can start compressions right. and do all those things. Uh, and then that, that initial responder will call for any resources that they need for additional people to dress out and come in or additional equipment that, that they might need. 
this helps us limit exposure, helps us limit the use of personal protective equipment. It also helps us keep our, our equipment clean so that we don't spend quite as much time decontaminating it before we're in service and available to go to the next call. So you're, you're looking out for residents, you're looking out for the men and women who work for the fire department, um, you know, the volunteer rescue squads, police officers, Absolutely. everyone that responds to these Absolutely. scenes. Absolutely. What we're trying to do with these measures is really truly limit the spread of the disease across the board, right? And, um, and we're also trying to maintain the integrity of our workforce and, and make sure that we have enough people. And we have a minimum staffing requirement in Henrico County of 129 people. So we have to have 129 men and women in various seats to make sure that all of our, our response complement is in service and available to respond to emergencies in the county. So we want to make sure that you know these, these providers who, are, who are, um, are exposed probably with more frequency um, than maybe the rest of general government schools, and I'm, I'm speculating there, but that, they, that, that their exposure doesn't draw down on our resources and uh, we find ourselves in a position where we can't meet our minimum staffing. And then you know, that could impact impact coverage. So we're trying to limit the spread of the disease. We're also trying to maintain the health of our community and the health of our workforce. And how is everyone doing? I mean, this is, this is an unprecedented time. Um, it must be very stressful. So that's a great question, um, and, I, and I appreciate you asking it. Um, it. We talked about it a little bit at the board meeting last night. I had an opportunity to speak to the board and a lot of what I said was was around that question. You know, how is your is your fire and EMS department doing? How are your volunteer rescue squads doing? The the short answer is that this is how these people are wired. How our men and women are wired is to serve a community. Uh, they're they're trained to respond to. You know, I won't say they're trained to respond to a worldwide pandemic with this respiratory virus, but they're trained to respond to emergencies. So they're trained to react and. In stressful situations, and they're trained to be a sound mind and a steady hand in an otherwise sort of chaotic environment. And I think that's what you're seeing here. I think you're seeing um, the world is 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 reacting to something that's very scary. Um, but if you if you draw the parallel to a, to a big fire, somebody who's who's got a fire in their house, it's it's very scary. It, it's very chaotic. It has a significant impact on your life, your overall wellness, your sense of security, and our folks from from the fire department and from the volunteer rescue squads, they come in with a calm mind and a steady hand and they bring calm to the chaos. And that's that's what our folks are doing. You know, this is why they're here is to take care of take care of emergencies. And this is a national, this is a worldwide emergency, and your emergency responders are there to do that. Well, we appreciate everything that they do, not just now, but always we really do. Um Let's if 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 I can, just just a little aside, and I know <laughs> folks are folks are worried about us, um, and I, and we appreciate that. And but we are constantly worried about our community, right? And and not just um, not just about health, the overall health of our community. And and we know there are a lot of people out there that that right now are really struggling. And and um, while while people are asking about us, you know. We're thinking about the restaurant owners. We're thinking about Henrico businesses. We're thinking about uh, the the barbers and and um, you know the small the small businesses. Twenty percent of our jobs in Henrico County um, are around hospitality. They're in restaurants and they're in hotels. Um, and you know, it's uh, 
it's we're worried about our community, our businesses, and our residents in the community, and and we want to know that that your fire and EMS and volunteer rescue squads are we're all thinking about you, um, because this is this is tough times for everybody, and so um, I just wanted to share that. Well, that's why we've been posting on social media with the hashtag One Henrico, because we are one community, and it's going to take all of us together to get through this. And we've already seen, you know, such an outpouring of support for, as you were mentioning earlier, um, for police, fire, you know, essential employees that are keeping the county running. And now the county trying to reciprocate and take care of the local businesses and restaurants and things like that. So we all really kind of need to band together to to fight through this challenging time. It's a community effort. And, um, you know, I just... I don't think any of our folks like being the center of attention. Um, I know that uh, that the majority of our folks are are, uh, are humble and and they came into this business because they have a heart for service. And it's uh, if you've ever seen a firefighter that's standing on a stage to get an award, that it's it's a really uncomfortable space for them to operate in. And so a lot of these the, these conversations, like we appreciate the community thinking about us, but this is one community. This is one Henrico. And um, we're all in this together. The, the business community is in this together. The, the residents that live in our county are in this together. And, uh, and your, your public safety you know, workers and, and um, all the agencies who are contributing to this from schools to libraries to, um, to uh, you know, social services to the, to the uh, sheriff's deputies in the jail. I mean, we're, we're all part of this effort to recover. And this too shall pass, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and... As I think about what what will look like when we get past this, um, I look at the partnerships, the things that uh, that the public libraries are doing to help with the call centers, the thing that the school nurses are doing with coming into the emergency communication center. And I know we're, we'll get to this in the in the conversation, but helping us further vet calls, right? And and so uh, and the, they're also going over to the to the uh, VDH call center. My understanding is and helping with the call center there. There's all of this this uh, interagency cooperation and sharing of resources to try and make sure that we're effectively serving the community. You know, when we get through this, that's really going to be um, a time for us to to uh, circle the wagons and really celebrate how we, as, as a Henrico County general government, Henrico County schools came together to solve this, this challenge for, for, uh, our community. Mm-hmm. Share with us about the, the school nurses. How did that come to pass and what exactly are, are they doing? So um, the uh, essentially we have, I told you about our emergency medical dispatch system that triages calls and sort of high acuity and low acuity. Um, what we are, are interested in doing with this program and we, we're developing protocols, we, we've just gotten the response back from the schools that they're going to be sending us nurses to help us uh, do this. We're interested in contacting back the caller or having the emergency communications officer pass off the caller to a nurse who may help them work through, uh, potentially get some more information about what's going on and what signs and symptoms are, maybe give some additional instructions, but also to explore some some potential alternative uh, treatment options, right? Because as I said earlier, sometimes that's not necessarily going in the back of an ambulance to an emergency department. And if we can spend some time and dig a little bit deeper into how long the issue's been going on, maybe gather some more details that... um, that are maybe a little more in depth than some of the 
the normal routine questions that a, uh, an emergency communications officer would ask, then we can better determine uh, the level of acuity, and then we can work through together with the caller what some alternative options might be. And, um, and registered nurses are the really a, an amazing resource right. to have to come and help us do that. And so um, that's the idea for that program. Uh, we're working closely with Dr. Ferguson, who's our medical director, uh, to develop those those uh, these sort of protocols and how what that looks like, you know, to make sure that we're that we're um, we're figuring out a way to to best serve the community. So uh, that's the idea, and I don't know if that if that generates any follow on questions. Um, no, I think it's. I mean, it's a it's a great idea, and so many people were were devastated when the schools were mandated closed for the rest of the year. So this gives the nurses from those schools an opportunity to to still share their talents. And help the community, which and, is what and do they it do every day. Enthusiastically, too. You know, I, I told the board last night that there's an energy um, that our folks in the field have uh, around this to, to serve. And I think um, nobody in the healthcare profession likes to just sit on their hands when things are going mm-hmm. on around them and there's a need uh, to help. And so you're going to see that from, from healthcare professionals, you're going to see that from public safety workers, from volunteers that that energy around a really critical need in the community. Going back to how you respond to calls, when you're talking about going to a, a business, and I know a lot of businesses are closed now, some of the larger ones, but or an apartment complex or a place that has, you know, more people in it than not, how would responses vary there? So as, as I mentioned before, we're, we're trying to sort of um, enter a, a a home or a building or a, a skilled care facility or nursing home in a measured fashion. And um, and part of that includes applying personal protective equipment and, and obviously the use of that um, and uh, and then doing a, an assessment, um, you know, from a reasonable distance, a safe distance away, just sort of that preliminary assessment that goes on. And so, um, but what, what we're asking during that time, you know, we may have to walk through an entire building, um, we may have to walk through the hallways of, of an apartment complex. We may have to walk through your house or whatever. And so what we're asking is that if the patient's able, and obviously that's, that's, a, that's a big if, if the patient is able to be moved to the closest, to the entrance closest mm-hmm. to the ambulance or to the front door, that that really helps us be able to get to you more quickly, uh, attend to you with more people and better assess the situation. And so, you know, I understand that, that this isn't... Um, you know, we, we try to provide that service, you know, from point to point. Um, but if you're able, we're asking that you come uh, or if there's staff there who can bring the patient to the to the ambulance entrance if in the in the context of a skilled care facility or a nursing home really helps with uh, it, it really helps limit the potential for the spread of a virus either into your facility or, or through your facility or um, or exposure for our first responders. Right. What else would you like to tell people? Well, I think I've mentioned a couple times the personal protective equipment uh, ensemble that our, our the EMS workers, firefighters are wearing. And you've probably seen it in enough social media now where you can see the what are called N95 masks, which are you know masks that go over your mouth and nose. You've seen people wearing eye protection and face shields, and uh, and you've seen them wearing protective gowns. We have a combination of those items that we that we wear. So you might see firefighters wearing a a face shield surgical mask combination with a you know a yellow uh, sort of 
transparent gown, um, or you might see them wearing an N95 mask, which which is uh, covers their no- their nose and mouth, and then separate eye protection. And they might be in a white Tyvek suit, uh, which is like a plastic mm-hmm. uh, suit. Um, you could see any combination of that personal protective equipment, but sometimes that can be scary for somebody who calls 911, and uh, you you might not be old enough, but you know, ET was you know they had the tube, and these people look scary when they're coming in in these protective ensembles. And I just want people to know that we're following the guidance from the Department of Health. We're following the CDC recommendations for personal protective equipment. We're trying to gather some information with the with the callbacks or the the additional questions to see what level of PPE may be appropriate for that call. We just don't want people to be nervous, scared, or intimidated when they see uh, firefighters or volunteers show up with with some level of personal protective equipment. It's just it's just what we need to do to make sure you're protected, to make sure we're protected, and really limit. Um, unnecessary or, or um, sort of a, add to the, add fuel to the fire, if you will, when it comes to spreading the virus. Have you seen um, an increase in calls since this kind of hit Virginia? So we're still evaluating overall data. You know, we don't have a whole lot of of um, a data set when it comes to um, what I would call a, a good a good enough sample size, if that makes sense. Uh, we have seen dips in um, in call volume, particularly in emer- calls uh, demand for emergency medical services, that have dipped in some days to to um, into the seventies. Generally, we're running between one hundred and one hundred and thirty emergency medical calls a day, and so we've seen some days where even where we would have a normal lower call volume on the weekends where we've dipped into the 70s. But what we've also seen is an increase in the amount of time that each one of those calls takes. And I think, the, you know, I, I can only speculate what that data means as we dig deeper into that data. I mean, we, we do spend a lot of time digging into data and and um, trying to figure out uh, what numbers what numbers mean and how they impact our operation. But I would expect that there's a lot of people who are being uh, more judicious about their, their use of 911 because if they can't go to an emergency room, which is the only place that we're allowed to take you, um, or they don't want to go to an emergency right. room because you know maybe they're they have a different complaint, a medical complaint that they're worried more about getting COVID nineteen than they are about resolving this this mm-hmm. medical issue. They may be using it more, uh, using more discretion when they call nine one one, and so that may be what's driving the reduction. Uh, on the flip side, we are seeing increased times associated with managing even a simple EMS call. So picture a general illness call, which is cold and flu symptoms, now include a complete decontamination of all the equipment that was in there, um, a complete de- decontamination or, or robing and disrobing in the in the personal protective equipment. Um, and then, you know, that uh, disaffecting equipment, I think I already said that, I'm sorry, but, but that tends to take a little bit more time. And so what we call our commitment time to a, to a call, uh, we're seeing those numbers go up. Well, I, I guess it's good, though, that you're not seeing a spike in calls. That's correct. And we anticipate that, that uh, just from looking west and, and seeing some of the, uh, you know, we reach out to our partners in different states and um, who may have moved through that curve uh, ahead of us. And so we're anticipating that we're going to see an increased demand. I think that's why it was important to reach out now to the community and uh, communicate this message and make sure that they understood 
what we're anticipating, um, what we're asking of them um, as we move through this process, and then what the response will look like. All those are important to communicate to make sure that we're sort of ahead of this because I think we're, I think we're on the up, uh, the upward slope of the curve right now, and uh, or at least that's what the that's what fire and EMS and the volunteer rescue squads are preparing for. Mm-hmm. The bottom line, though, is people should be assured that firefighters, police officers, public safety, you're here as you always are, 365, 24-7 to help and to respond when needed. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, that's that's what we signed up for. And, um, you know, we, we stand up in front of a judge and we swear an oath to protect this community from natural and man-made disasters, and and um, this is one of those uh, it's one of those situations. And so, the the men and women are are coming to work. Uh, the they are prepared, they're ready, um, and uh, here for our community. Anything else you'd like to share? No, I just appreciate the time and the the avenue to reach out to to Henrico County. Um, and I just want to assure everybody, we're one Henrico. We're thinking about you. And um, we appreciate the support and uh, any support that you can give us uh, as we move through this this event. Okay, thank you so much, Chief. Um, I just want to point out that if people want additional information about um, how COVID-19 is impacting Henrico County services, programs, things like that, if you go to our website, henrico.us, there's a special page that explains how each department is handling things in light of most of our employees working from home, some who have don't have that option, like firefighters and, and whatnot. But um, if you go to Henrico.us, there's additional information. You can also follow our Henrico County government social media. We're on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, and we are posting many updates daily just so that um, residents know what's available right now and what's not. So there have been some changes, obviously, but uh, we just want everyone to hopefully be able to stay at home and stay safe. So we will talk to you next time with the latest update. Bye-bye.